Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior who is our Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ. The word that we hear this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 11 to 18. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, One who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will, be, they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. The image of God as our good, faithful, and true shepherd is one that we know very well from Psalm 23 and also here, John chapter 10. But it's one that is repeated quite frequently throughout the Scripture. We find again and again God coming to us with that very comforting picture, that very wonderful message that he wants us to think of him as our shepherd who leads us and guides us and takes care of us each and every day. In these many references throughout Scripture to God being our shepherd, that shepherd is presented to us with different pronouns in different places and the use of these pronouns can be quite striking they can also convey to us uh, some depth of meaning and understanding as to what it means that Jesus is our good shepherd and so this morning we're going to be looking at the pronouns of the good shepherd the first is the one that Jesus uses in our text where he constantly and continually reminds us I, I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. And when he tells us, I am the good shepherd, he makes it very clear, not that he's one of many, but that he is the one and only shepherd. The role of shepherd was not one that was highly favored in Israelite society or in many of the ancient societies of the world. It wasn't one that got a lot of praise and acclaim, like, oh, you're a shepherd, I want your autograph. That didn't really happen very often. It was a very lowly and humble position. It was something that people did when they didn't really have skill or means to do anything else. Remember when Samuel went to Jesse's house to find the next king of Israel, who was the one who was out in the field watching the sheep? It was David, the youngest, the one who was not yet old enough for greater responsibilities. And one can imagine that being a shepherd, at least at that time, probably didn't take all that much skill, right? You find grass and lead the sheep to grass. It's 
not that hard usually to find grass. I, I suppose if there's a drought, maybe. But in general, it's not that hard, right? And find some water and lead them to water and then bring them home at night and make sure they're safe in the pen, keep any danger away from them. And so Jesus certainly wasn't uh, flattering himself. He wasn't choosing a flattering image of himself when he chooses to associate with this idea of being our shepherd. But what does it say about us that this job that is relatively unskilled and relatively lowly and humble is nonetheless a job which we are not able to complete that Jesus has to step in and do it for us? Most of us do, to some, in some way or another, have the role of shepherd over some, at least, of God's lambs. Whether you're a pastor or a a teacher or an elder or a councilman or a a school board member or even, and probably most importantly, a parent, there are those whom God has given into your care, into your responsibility. Jesus' little lambs whom he has asked you to feed and guide and water and keep safe. And yet we're not so good at being shepherds, are we? Our own sinfulness often gets in the way and we make lots of mistakes. We fail to show love and patience uh, for our children and others who are, are put in our care. And then on the other hand, sometimes we fail to correctly discipline and teach them because it's sometimes just easier to, to let them have their way rather than to take the time to correct and teach as we ought. When we're adults, we continue to sin. Imagine that. And that sin, often our our children see and reflect and emulate it before we even realize what's, what's happening. So that when they're older, we often see our own mistakes, our own sin reflected back in our children's behavior. And then sometimes we even make matters worse because because of our guilt, because of our fear, we overreact and maybe even become overbearing and controlling of our children because we don't want them to go down that road. All of this, and in many other ways, we fail because of our own sin and our own shortcomings to be the shepherds that we ought to be. I am the good shepherd, says Jesus. Not you, not me. We know that we are sinners who can never measure up to the level of Christ. And yet Jesus' words here are not primarily a condemnation of our failings, but primarily a promise. A promise to us that where we fail, we can be confident that he is going to step in and fill in in our shortcomings. And that's, of course, what Jesus does often, isn't it? Jesus is constantly fulfilling the work and the tasks that ought to have been ours. He is the Son of Man who becomes the man that we should have been. God, our Father, tells us to sweep and mop the floor, but it's Jesus usually always who has to scrub it clean because we simply fail in so many of the tasks God has set before us, and no less here as well. This is exactly why those mothers so long ago brought their little children to Jesus, so that he might bless them and he might be the good shepherd that 
none of us are capable of being. And so Jesus steps in for us as well here. And th this is one thing that we can do as parents that will go a long way for, to covering, correcting, making up for our many other mistakes is bringing our children to Jesus so that he can correct, make straight what we might have done wrong. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. And with that promise, we know that he's not only our good shepherd, but that of our children as well. In Psalm 23, in the first three verses, so in John 10, Jesus uses that personal pronoun, I am the good shepherd. In Psalm 23, in the first three verses, David uses the third person, he, and he uses it to great effect to list out for us all the things that he has done for us. He leads us to green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. He restores, that is, forgives our soul. And that list of all that he has done for us that, in, that we find in the first three verses of Psalm 23 is very similar to what Jesus himself says here in our text. He is the good shepherd because he is the one who laid down his life for the sheep. There are many things that Jesus does for us, but he points to this one thing ultimately as the proof of his love, of his goodness, that he's willing to even lay down his life, and more than his life. The Greek word here is the, the word suke, which actually means soul. He lays down not just his life, but even his soul for us. We so often talk about Jesus dying for our sins, and indeed he did die for our sins, but that death that was a payment for our sins, that isn't what happened at the end of the crucifixion when Jesus said, into your hands I commend my spirit, and died. The dying for our sins, the death that paid the punishment for our sins, was the six hours on the cross when his soul was dying under the wrath of God. It's one thing to give your life for someone you love. It's quite another to give even your soul. And yet this is what Jesus did for us. Jesus points out in our text that the hireling does not do this. And of course the hireling's not going to do it. The hireling, the person hired to wash the sheep, is doing it solely for the sake of getting paid. And if he dies, he's not going to get paid. What would be the point of dying for the sheep, right? And so when he sees the danger coming... Uh, the one hired flees. But Jesus is the good shepherd who does not flee from danger. It's interesting that in the Greek, in this verse, uh, the hireling flees, he forgets about, he leaves the sheep. The Greek word there is aphiemi, which is the word that is most often used in Scripture and translated as forgive. Our good shepherd does not forget the sheep like the hired help does, but he is, he does forget and leave behind the sin of the sheep, right? Just as that hired help is, is very quick to forget the sheep when there's danger, even quicker is our good shepherd, our Savior, to forget our sins and leave them behind when we come to him in repentance. This is what he does for us. Lays down his life, forgets our sin, and he continues also, he knows us each by name. 
Verse 14 is such a beautiful verse, isn't it? I know my own, and my own are known, and my own know me. We might expect uh, for Jesus to reverse the possessive in that verse. We might expect for him to say something like, I know my sheep, and they know their shepherd. And in fact, we have a hymn that does that, right? I, I am his and he is mine. Uh, the, the possessive is reversed there. And it's very true that Jesus is ours, but Jesus very purposely does not do that in our text. He emphasizes and repeats not the fact that he is ours, but the fact that we are his. Because that's what's really important. It doesn't matter what we think or do, but what matters is what, what he does for us. We belong to him. We are his. A sheep doesn't usually seek out, I've never heard of a sheep going on a journey to seek out a shepherd that it happens to like, right? But it's the shepherd that seeks out the sheep. And when the shepherd has found the sheep, it, the shepherd makes that sheep his own and teaches that sheep to know his voice. And that's exactly what Jesus is emphasizing in our text. He finds us and he teaches us to know him by name. He lays down his life for us, and then he continues in our text, he takes it up again as well. It's really a great thing if we have somebody in our life who loves us enough that they're willing to die for us. But once they've died, then they're no longer a part of our life. They can't really help us anymore, can they? And so if our shepherd was willing to die for us and did indeed die for us, if that was the end of it, well, that would be great to know he loved us that much, but it really wouldn't help us in our daily life. And so Jesus emphasizes that he not only loves us enough to die for us, but he also has the power to take up that soul, to take up that life again. And so we have a shepherd who not only loves us, but has that power to continue to be a part of our life and to help and to guide us every step of the way. He died for our sins and rose again. He died so that we might be forgiven and rose again so that his power might live in our life and he might guard and keep us. He has done all these things. And so finally we come to our last pronoun, which again is used in Psalm 23, which, by the way, I've been talking about Psalm 23, but it is <coughs> on that first page of your, your bulletin, the first inside page, if you want to take a look at it. Although probably you guys know it well enough, right? You don't need to. But our last and final pro, our pronoun comes from the fourth verse, you are with me. In the first three verses of Psalm 23, David talks about all that God, that Jesus has done for him, letting him lie down in green pastures, the waters even restoring, forgiving his soul. But then in verse 4, it's very striking when David switches. When David is faced with, that, with the shadow of death, that difficult and scary valley, it's no longer he, but now it's you. It's a cry of that, that sinner, that cry of that believer that looks to Christ in time of trouble. It says, you, O Lord, are with me. David is a, is a perfect example of exactly what we were talking about. One of those sheep whom Jesus found and made his own, and Jesus taught him to know his name. 
and gave him that faith so that even when he's going through a very difficult time, he trusts and has confidence. He lays hold on that promise that Jesus is his good shepherd and he proclaims in his faith, you are with me. In times of fear, in times of tribulation, in times of distress in our own life, it really doesn't matter that much to us anymore what Jesus may have done for somebody else, what he did in the past. But what really matters is you are with me, that he is right there with us fulfilling his promise as we go through those dark and difficult times. And so we pray that we, like David, would learn to know the voice of our shepherd, to know the name of our shepherd, to know him as he is known to the Father, so that even when we are going through troubles and fear, maybe even facing death in our own life, we would have that same strength given to us by the Good Shepherd to proclaim with David, you are with me. I am the Good Shepherd. He is the one and only Shepherd. And what a wonderful comfort that is, that even though we know we mess up in our tasks, He is the Good Shepherd who's right there ready to step in and fix what we have broken, right? He has shown His power and His love, not only in dying for us, but in taking that life up again. And finally, He teaches us to confess His name with David, to know at all times, you are with me. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.